Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Ronke here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, I wanted to continue the conversation we just had in our last episode about the explicit and implicit nature of God. And as we were having that conversation, some thoughts were going through my head about how we as people always want to understand what's going on around us, uh, particularly in the world of the sciences. Um, and the thoughts that were, were coming to me were, now granted, I watched a lot of these science shows about on the Discovery Channel and whatnot about how the, the creation of the world and how physics thinks it all works and all that and how they can take mathematically it down to like one quadrillionth of a second from when they believe time and, and time space began. But there's one element that they always discuss that they pretty much admit they have no idea of how it works. And that's energy. And that's because from each perspective of energy, the definition of energy itself alters. So when we zoom in, and I got to keep this in the physical world because it's physics, on... um you know, a, a can of Coke with some ice in it inside of a glass cup. They can relate energy being the bubbles coming through the fizz, but then zooming out the ice, making it colder is a different form of energy. And then zooming it out, the air temperature in the room against the ice is a different form of energy. And from each element and angle that you look at, energy is differently defined and I think that the, the correlation I, ha I had from there, and not saying it's the same thing exactly, but that when we do the same thing with God, it's true. We can't ever explicitly say this was caused directly by God, nor can we zoom out and say that that wasn't caused or zoom out again and say this was caused because it's either everywhere or nowhere. And the truth of what we've been doing this whole time is the is the feeling that we can get with inside of us is that if there was no God all around us, there wouldn't be a natural order that we all feel just from being alive. Sure, there's certain elements that explain this, like gravity. No matter where you are on this planet, gravity is a thing. No matter where you are on this planet, you can see joy and sorrow and emotions in other people and in general a desire to have better lives. And you can see all this in a natural order. And I wanted to take a time to just kind of, A, parse through to see if my thoughts are even generally correct and to kind of just dive into a conversation about that. Yeah, it's... Uh... Those are interesting things to reflect on, and I, I'm not uh, an expert in all those spaces. But, but certainly, God is. Uh, you know, we we talk about God as being itself, uh, and and so anything that exists, exists, is sharing in the existence of God. Being uh, God is is being itself, and so we can't say that anything happens apart from Him. Uh, God is in everything that happens, and uh, as you said, uh, He's He's ubiquitous. He's everywhere, 
at once and nowhere in particular. And uh, now that <laughs> that changes in some slight ways when we talk about Jesus as God, when God himself entered in a particular place in a particular time into his own creation, uh, that does all kinds of weird things. But uh, we can say when we look at the Eucharist, that is God. And at the same time, uh, God is also everywhere. And so there's this uh, sense of, of presence, which, you know, it starts to exceed the, the very limited capacity of our minds is part of the part of the issue. But uh, yeah, God is is being itself. And 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 for that reason, some of the uh, efforts to insert God into history, to make it seem like basically history is unfolding on its own, and then God kind of steps in at these places that we can't account for naturally. Like, how did sentience happen? When did an ape become a human being, if you believe in evolution? You know, when did that moment happen? Was that God intervening and just putting the, the soul in, in a kind of explicit way, um, was the step from non-life to life, was that a God intervention? And sometimes we call this the, the God of the gaps theory, that science can explain everything except for certain gaps, and then God kind of stepped in in those gaps. And there's something that's very dissatisfying about that for reasons similar to what you were describing, Joe, that if we reduce God to the gaps, then we've got a real problem. Uh, rather, if we see that God is constantly at work, he's constantly keeping everything in existence, he is all of the energy, uh, and he is providing all of the energy. He is sustaining all matter. He is all of the processes, and his will is being carried out, uh, hidden behind those natural processes, but constantly, God's will is constantly being worked out in everything. And so it's almost like the if we imagine the way that sunshine sort of draws plants out or that this living principle is, is unfolding in a, in a plant or an animal, we can think of a human uh, zygote that is being moved from within uh, to multiply to split into two cells and three cells and six cells and 12 cells and this whole process of of unfolding human life that that god is kind of the the energy the pressure making that happen and that that's happening toward according to a greater logic a greater reason uh and and sort of pushing out or i think of those uh those those little uh collections of nails that you can sort of put your hand up into and then you push the nails up and then you, you know you sort of see the outline of the hand and the top form of the of the nails and uh, it's almost like God's hand is always is underneath pressing into everything pressing into life pressing into matter pressing into all of these processes he's constantly actively engaged in everything and so what we see unfolding is also just like those nails is revealing to us what the hand looks like underneath it. And the way that life unfolds uh, is revealing ultimately the, the hand of God underneath it in an, a slightly obscured way, uh, just like the nails don't give exactly the picture of that hand, but they give us the outlines. Or we could say we, we see God's fingerprints in everything. We see his, uh, his image pressing into everything. We see his image pressing most especially into human beings who are made in his image. 
and carry the, the the fullness of that image and then ultimately in his son but i think that view of god pressing into everything at all time and that's what actually is all of the laws and all of the energy and all of the development of matter and guiding all of, of history and creation. That's what is, is unfolding all the time. That's a much more coherent integration of uh, a science with an understanding of, uh, of God. I think that even most of those things, maybe all of those things I said, aren't particularly Christian. Obviously, the things about Christ are, but that understanding of God it would would be something more like Plato's understanding or Aristotle's understanding, and uh, and and a Jewish understanding as well as a Christian understanding. I don't know some of the other Eastern religions. You know, a Taoist understanding also. You know, it's a more general kind of universal understanding of how God interacts with creation and unfolds in the in the unfolding of life and and uh, all development and it's interesting that that you just kind of took it back to the basics even outside of christianity that this is just kind of a a core that, that, that we all are observing in our own rights and as you know statistically speaking in this country people are leaving organized religions much more this generation than generation before and generation before. It seems that as a result, we're going back in that direction, but this bedrock of truth is still omnipresent around us. And to, to see within there that God's working as we understand God through, through our Christian context, but he's constantly around us and put this bedrock that essentially of logic and truth and just human experience that cannot be denied. And as we're going through this conversation and kind of thinking it through out loud, that that seems to be a logical starting point to try to get people to to come back and recognize, yes, this is the foundation of the building, if you will, but let's actually get into to the, the greater results. As you go further down that road, you get better and better. So I, I don't mean to sidetrack for, from the direction you're going, but I wanted to see if that was part of of, of what you were getting at. Yeah, generally what we, we call this metaphysics. It's the physics behind physics. It's the, the study of being itself. And that's uh, one of the things that, you know, science tends to presume a certain amount, like there is existence, you know, that uh, things are a certain way. And then science works within that framework to anticipate how things will unfold and how we can also participate in that process and work that to our advantage, hopefully to the advantage of the common good, not just our own personal advantage. And that's how we develop techniques and technology and uh, all of that. But there's, you know, just uh, science doesn't try to understand the nature of being. Uh, that's really the philosopher's task because it's outside of the realm of science. Science presumes being and goes from there. And that's why science also, you know, the Big Bang Theory is really focusing in on that infinitesimal, but can't ever get from something to nothing or from nothing to something. 
we presume there's something, and then we see how that something unfolds. And God is what gets from nothing to something, and God is constantly involved in the unfolding of that something. And he does that uh, not because he has to, but because he chooses to according to certain ordered principles that can be discerned by us. And it's, it's an interesting observation that science only developed in Christianity because there are aspects of our Christian worldview that made it possible to have science. Even in, in some of the uh, Muslim areas where there was some scientific development, it was actually in the, in, in the midst of Christian context and, and in conversation with Christians that that, that that took place. And ultimately, Christianity took science much farther than, uh, than any other religions prior to that, because we believe that God is ordered, that he wants us to know him, just like I was describing that hand pressing through the, the nails that... Uh, that there is something worth studying all of the details and all of the data because we find God in there. It's it's worthy to see the laws and uh, elements of creation because God is the creator and it's all part of his masterpiece. When we study how the logic of how things unfold, we're also coming to find to discover the divine logic. And so uh, there's something very beautiful in that whole process. Now, you don't actually absolutely have to be a theist, but you have to have, you know, if you ask scientists, why, why do you believe that the world is going to behave tomorrow like it behaved today? You know, that's foundational for all science. If the laws could just change tomorrow, everything in science would be upended. Why do you think that? Well, that's an act of faith because it's been that way so far. Well, I believe that because I believe that God is ordered and that God is revealing himself. He is involved in this process and he is going to be the same tomorrow as he is today. I have a more reasonable reason to be a scientist than an atheist scientist has. An atheist scientist is presuming a number of things that are absolutely necessary for science to work, and yet he doesn't have a, a, a reasonable explanation for why that's the case. He just, he just works with that. So you can do science without being a theist, but you can certainly be a more reasonable scientist if you're also a theist, if you also believe in, in a God, at least the God of the philosophers, at least the God insofar as Plato and Aristotle and other philosophers throughout the ages have known him to be. But as we come to know him even more in Christ, in that fuller revelation of who he is, we also discern a dimension of that divine logic that is, it was not accessible to Plato and Aristotle, namely that God is love. And that the principle of love is actually what pervades all of creation. And that love stretches beyond death. So uh, even when we see, say, well, there's the suffering of innocence and there is death and, and destruction and uh, God allows for this free will that has caused a lot of problems in the world. But when we see that love is the thing protecting freedom for the sake of love and that that love has an existence that stretches beyond death, uh, that that starts to make sense of everything else. We can see how the divine logic full unfolds even more clearly. So. Uh, anyway, I think I might have gotten a little off track from your observations there, but hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, so I, actually, I, th I think that you bringing that out made me think of a counterpoint that might actually kind of prove it. Um, so two thoughts. So let's start with, with what you were discussing in the middle there about how they have to have faith to keep believing that tomorrow, the essentially past results 
will lead to future outcomes. But from studying statistics, that's essentially the first fallacy they teach you to ignore. You know, if someone goes up and they average a 250 batting average, meaning that they get to hit one out of four times, but now they're on a hot streak and they've gotten to hit eight times in a row, statistically speaking, there should only be a one in four chance they'll get a hit next time, despite what the last eight were. And we know that the physical world is always changing. We ourselves are always changing. But to think that it's going to be so constant and continual is an act of faith. So I think that that's that's an example there. And then the other thought I had that kind of builds into that is as you were talking about the hand pressing up, it creates different textures because it's not going to be just a flat object coming up. It's going to have some ridges. And depending upon your perspective of it, and the lighting of it, you're going to have two totally different descriptions and feelings of what it is. So if you were zoomed in on, say, like the palm, you wouldn't even know that there's an edge outline around the fingertips. And I think that willingness to be able to say, okay, I might not see the whole picture, not to say that my part isn't relevant or important, but there's more to this is it's certainly a problem that that we're getting into as a society more and more and, and I apologize for fraying this but there's this natural order that's keeping it all together that yeah even though looking at this one particular aspect is true for that region and this particular aspect is true for this other region over here doesn't mean there's not a common thread that's holding us all together throughout it and I think that that's an important thought to keep in mind as we look at natural problems is how to, to, to solve the sufferings of our world, that there are underlying facts. And essentially, at the end of the day, whether we want to admit it or not, faith is kind of the glue that's keeping society and the world together. And based upon, you know, these examples, it's what I'm saying. And if I'm missing something, you know, I, I'd like to be corrected. But this under undercurrent, there has to be something holding us all together. And we've discovered it in many different regions of the world in many different ways. And it makes sense to want to learn more about God. But learning more about God inherently cannot disprove God. Unless I'm making a logical fallacy there, which I hope I'm not. So I want to let you get a chance to to correct me before I go down a wrong path for the rest of the week. No, I, I'm always a little bit anxious about these kinds of discussions because I know there's some really brilliant people that uh, can could counter my arguments and there are some other brilliant people that could counter those arguments, you know. So we could go a lot deeper in this discussion and a lot of, of brilliant people have talked about these kinds of things um, throughout the centuries, really. Uh, you know, we doesn't get a lot more brilliant than St. Thomas Aquinas. And he just has pages and pages of, of exploring these topics and trying to sketch out all of these different dimensions. So um, I'm always a little anxious about overly simplifying and irritating one of our listeners because we haven't taken something into account. But uh, having said all that, no, I, I really appreciate the comments that you make that um, 
you know, believing something will be different tomorrow based on how it is today or, or the same tomorrow based on how it is today is, you know, uh, takes, takes an act of faith and, and knowing how to look at the, the hand that's being revealed and recognizing the different perspectives that we would naturally have is, uh, is also important to take into account. And that's why, you know, none of us ever gets the, the full uh, picture. God has revealed a certain amount to us. And so we get a lot of the picture if we listen to what he has described, how he has described his own hand, we could say. And that's a, a, an important starting place. And that's one of the things we treasure as Christians is the divine revelation that comes to us through through scripture and, and the teaching of the church. But, um, you know, to appreciate the dimensions of that hand that we get through knowing others and seeing as others see and uh, uh, really taking in those perspectives we don't want to have a kind of triumphalistic approach of i have all the answers and i'm here to dictate them to you because even if we know the broad outlines by being christian and believing what god has revealed to us fleshing out the details is something that we do really together in our our common our shared experience of of humanity and so um it's not a question of religion is better than science or or that science is better than religion, but they, they both have a role to play. It's not that uh, a, a priest is better than a scientist or a scientist is better than a priest, but we both have a role to play. And, and the more that we can collaborate on that and share our, uh, our understanding with each other, the, the fuller the picture we're going to get of, of who God is and uh, how he plays a role in our lives. And what a beautiful note to end on. So I, I thank you for that, Father, because you know, God's always going to be with us.